Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a night full of winning. The Utes, the Cougars, the Aggies, the Wildcats, the Jazz. Everybody won. For BYU, well, okay, they were playing a Portland team that hadn't won a conference game. So 105 to 60, if you're going to play a bad team, you might as well blow them out. And BYU blew them out. The Utes beat Arizona by 15, 73-58. Utah over 500 now, 8 and 7 on the season. Still below 500 in the league at 5 and 6, but uh, hey, back-to-back wins. And Utah State beats Fresno State 69 to 53. Let's listen to Aggie coach Craig Smith after they pick up the win on the road in Fresno. Craig Smith joining us on our post-game conversation again. A little bit of a rocky start in the first half. Uh, it seemed like there were moments where it looked like you were as ready to run away and hide, and Fresno State would really back in. But you said they've got athletes and they can do some things, and, and they kept it close there in the first half. Yeah, you got to give them a lot of credit. They're they're very athletic, and Orlando Robinson is just a player, and he puts like I said, we said that he puts you in a lot of different positions, and it's almost like they have two teams, um, depending on who they have on the floor. I thought. Um, you know, I thought we showed a little bit of, uh, I don't maybe a little bit of rust not playing a game for eight days yeah. where we were just a little disjointed. I think part of that was was them uh, with the press. I thought, you know, we got up 5-0 and, they, and then they got their first basket and they were pressing. And I thought we were not in attack mode and kind of got a stand in. Yeah. And, and we hadn't seen that for a little bit. And then uh, with about five minutes to go in the first half, then I thought we started attacking. We always want to attack the press. Like we don't ever want to just go and then pull it out now now it's a free press so um um i thought they got us standing around a little bit that way and kind of got us disjointed on offense and then the second and then the first half too um just defensive i thought we gave up some just easy basket i thought we lacked communication consistently um orlando robinson we did not want him going to the middle and he got to the middle a bunch in the last um 10 minutes or so of that first half, and he made a lot of good plays, reading the double team, dumping it down, or him scoring. Uh, uh, But just our communication, transition, number five gets it, and we have two guys run into Robinson, and nobody takes the ball, and he walks to the rim. And so um, we gave up seven points on offensive rebounds, and that was a big key. We knew they're they're number two in the league in offensive rebounding behind us. And then I thought we had like eight points we counted were just mindless plays by us, not yeah. communicating and not being sharp. And then, you know, it started the second half, uh, and we had foul trouble in that yeah, first half, yeah. too. Raleigh had foul issues. Nimi had foul issues. Um, I think those were the two main guys. So um, then uh, the way we started out that second half, we really established Kata inside. Our guys were really looking for him. We ran a play for him right away. He got an easy one. Got the one on the, so- on the out-of-bounce mm-hmm. where it was a dunk. Um, out of the timeout and we really established him and when you do that the game becomes a lot simpler and so um, uh, I thought we played really good the second half and our bench was monstrous Um, our bench was just absolutely tremendous tonight and we needed it Robinson's held scoreless in the second half is that kind of the execution you were talking about the lack of the first half working for you in the second half yeah and we knew you know it's you know when you when you play these guys for the first time there's definitely a feeling out process that goes into it and you know with him like we said expect a lot of different guys to guard him and we you know Darius guard him Kata guarded him Bean guarded him and Fonz guarded him so all four of those guys guarded him and we had to kind of make some decisions on who we thought was best but i thought all of our guys did a pretty good job specifically the second half with our doubles and our positioning 
and we just played with a lot more urgency, and that was easy to see. And, you know, like we told the guy, when you communicate, when your mouths are going, that means your senses and your brain is working. You're telling yourself what to do, and just by nature, I think you work way harder um, in that scenario. So uh, our guys responded well. Um, and found a way to get the victory. Uh, one stat that I never in a million years thought I would ever see is, is Brock Miller 0 for 0 from 3. And I, I love the fact that they're, the guys are running him off the line and he's taking the two or three feet in and getting the floater and knocking it down. Brock's playing at a very – he's just playing really, really well. And it, 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 I could talk about, you know, what he's doing on the floor a lot, but what, what I'm so impressed with is just how his leadership and the way he's communicating – and the way he's talking to his guys and or, our, or his teammates, and um, he just says the right thing. And not that it's always just the you have to say the perfect thing. Yeah. But he's just been really on point with his message and what he's doing, and he's letting the game come to him, and it shows. I mean, it's hard to take him off the floor. I mean, you know, we played him essentially the whole second half, and just has a good look to you, and he puts the clamps down on guys. You know, number four hit, I think the one three, maybe early in the second half, and he just. You know, held him out. And he and number four has been Holland, I think his last name. Yeah. Not Holland, that's 25. Ballard. Ballard, yeah. And he's been playing really well. So he just has a great look to him. He's so steady. And um, he's developed a little bit of a pull-up game, but he's not overdoing it. You know what I mean? He's just letting the game come to him, and, and that's exciting to see. Uh, when Kata leaves the game with two fouls, and the game was certainly in the balance at that point, I thought Trevin Dorius came in and, hey, two for two from the free throw line, uh, got blocked shots, got good buckets, passed the ball really well, and then continued that good play in the second half. Another big night for him. Tre- Trevin's a very good player. Um, he's, I mean, he's just, you know, he's still young. He's a, he's a freshman. Well, he's a sophomore, but he gets that year back. So in a way, yeah. it's like he's a freshman. And he, um, he's been playing, you know, Kata's a really good player, but Trevin just keeps on. Like we see what he does every day in practice, and not all of our fans have been able to see that necessarily translate onto the floor consistently in games. And uh, but he's just doing what he does. He works so hard. He gets himself ready. He's a free. He's got a 38-inch vertical. He runs like a gazelle. The one play I don't remember. We missed something. We kind of over pursued an offensive rebound. And their big kid has I don't know a six-seven foot. Um, foot lead in transition and he just sprints them down and catches them by the other three point line it was yeah. just like he's a freak athlete and so he's got a bright future I mean um, I love the, uh, our situation with our big guys right yeah. now because you know in Trevin's physical and rugged and how many shots did he race at the rim in that second half where he just kind of came where they had an advantage and boom and the other team doesn't know that yet either. They're used to seeing Kata in there doing that. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, uh, Trevin will develop that reputation as well. Um, I don't know what you can say, what you can't say, but any updates on Demias? I think, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I think we could have put him back in there if we needed to. Um, so I don't think it looks too severe, but I guess I don't know that 100% either. So I don't want to speak out of turn. But I did talk to him in the locker room, and I think I think he'll be okay. But just another five blocks tonight. Just is that what he had? Yeah, you know, he's just a monster. I talked to him um, uh, after the game. I just pulled him aside, just right on the floor before you know some of the guys I think were already going back in the locker room. We just had a talk, and it was nothing like you know nothing bad or anything like that. I just said, man, the the difference, you know, the way you played that first before you. I mean, that first twelve minutes of the second half. He just had that look in his eye, 
I mean, he just had that look where we've all seen, um, and he just took over. And, you know, certainly it helped to get him some easy touches with some sets because we didn't do a consistent job of finding him in that. Like I said, I thought some things, we were just a bit disjointed. But our guys really looked inside, got him established, and he saw the ball go through the hole. And sometimes that gives you a little more juice on the other end of the floor um, to make some things happen. But when he has that look and when he plays like that, obviously – it gives all of our guys a different level of confidence and raises that up. Yeah. And I think that's the key to being a really good player is when your best players do that, they give confidence to everybody else on the team. And Sam and Nimi are very different players, Sam Merrill, Merrill, of course. But when Sam was on the floor, there was just this different level of confidence. And I'm sure you go back to the history of all the Utah State greats. Like, that's what best players on, on really good teams do. Coach, congratulations, Big W tonight. Let's do it again on Saturday. You know, anytime. It's just such a different year, but winning on the road, it's not this, it's different yeah. with because obviously all the fans and whatnot, but you walk into this arena, it's a huge arena. I mean, we're in a hockey arena, yeah. and it's just di- it, it's just different. It's just a weird vibe, isn't it? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, speaking of hockey, you people. like the penalty box we're in right here? Yeah, I like it. I was going to say um, – it's a good thing we're on the right side of these plexiglasses or uh, <laughs> in a restraining order, but uh, it definitely is there. I saw you during the game one time. I was like, oh, he's got quite the setup up yeah. there. And I promise it wasn't in the first half no, no. when I, I was concentrating. And maybe that was the problem. Well, should have looked up in the plexiglass in the first half. Maybe it would have helped our team. Well, it's funny because Kata comes out for the opening tip and looks over, and he's, you can tell he starts laughing. He's like, what is going on? Well, it is. It's one of those deals. Like, I mean, we got you 15 rows up, but we don't want you spitting on the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm happy with it. No harm, no foul there. Hey, well, Coach, again, congratulations. We'll <laughs> right. do it again on uh, Saturday. Thanks, Scotty. There you go. Go Aggies. There's Craig Smith after the road win in Fresno. We got the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up later in this hour. But next, Chad Lewis, the former BYU Cougar, now working in BYU Athletic Administration. He played for Andy Reid in Philadelphia. It's like all of the Eagle Nation and Chief Nation together against, well, I guess Tom Brady. So all of Patriot and Buccaneer Nation. We'll talk with Chad Lewis about Andy Reid and the Super Bowl next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Valentine's Day is not far away, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers, check them out at jimmysflowers.com. Time to welcome in Chad Lewis, former BYU and Philadelphia Eagle. Chad, good morning. Yo, what's up? It's always good to talk to you guys. (laughs) What's up? The Eagles and the Chiefs are up. Well, they're not the Eagles. Yeah, come on. All the Eagles are on board with the Chiefs, right? It's the Eagles and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl versus the Bucks. Yeah, not only is it the Eagles and the Chiefs, but it's also the Bucks and Tom Brady. So 
It was the Bucks in, in the Super Bowl in Jacksonville. It was Tom Brady <laughs> and the Patriots who got us. So um, that just means uh, it's more special. I mean, you're going up against the greatest quarterback in the history of the game, a guy who's now in his 10th Super Bowl. I've, I've played nine seasons in the NFL, <laughs> and he's going to 10 Super Bowls. It's, it's incredible. So, yeah, this is a big game. It's really fun. With Andy Reid taking the Chiefs to the Super Bowl for the second time, and what I think it's his third time, and obviously he's had incredible success in KC. There's a lot of stuff being written and said about him. And this past week here, I've been trying to read as much as I can. One of the things that really caught my eye was his coaching style. And you obviously know him, played for him, and you've been around, and you can speak to different coaching styles. And the quote that really jumped out me jumped out at me. I think we all want to be treated a certain way. Uh, talking about how you know how would I want to be treated? And we think of coaches, Mike Ditka, screaming at guys on the sideline and all that stuff. Uh, what do you think of the coaching style that Andy Reid has? compared to all the different coaches. Now, you played for Lavelle Edwards, so it might actually be in the same type of style, but it seems that his style seems to work with these guys. That is absolutely right. That's, he, he learned his style and his culture from Lavelle. He honed it in with other coaches, especially Mike Holmgren at Green Bay. But that's what he's most comfortable with. When he says that, he means it. He lives it. That's who he is. That's why... Last year when he was getting ready to win that Super Bowl, you just felt like the entire NFL was happy for him, supportive, behind him. It was really cool. And because he lives it. I like people focusing on that part of his coaching ability because he's not a screamer. And he feels like he can get his point across just with every bit as much power as a screamer by doing it his way, and he can And the thing that hasn't been written that I think is every bit as important, something that you will see Sunday night, and it's it's that Andy and his wife Tammy are a package deal, just like Lavelle and Patty. You never saw Lavelle, we didn't, without Patty. She was there, she was present. Well, that's the same thing with Andy. He works unbelievable hours, but he has made this profession a package deal. So... Post-game interview, who's going to be right by his side? His greatest teammate and partner, Tammy. And that's the way he wants it. That's how he's created it. And that's where he draws his strength and power. And he's never lost that. He's never lost sight of it. He's, he's, he's been able to make it work with Tammy right there with him. She, she would travel with us to games. Um, and she loves – following him she loves being a supporter she jokes that she's the head coach of the head coach and I just have this ultimate respect for Andy because he's in this profession head coach in the NFL Super Bowl champ he's done it like Lavelle a package deal with his wife that's really cool you know People, I've I've never met Andy, but obviously lots of BYU people have. They all like him. They all respect him. They all seem fiercely loyal to him. But sometimes when you're in the presence of greatness. Okay, you have got to meet Andy Reid. What are we waiting for? Hey, <laughs> anytime, anytime. Oh, please. I'd, I'd love to. You've got the credentials. That gives you the authority to meet anyone you want on planet Earth. <laughs> Set up a time. You have to meet Andy. That, that'd be great. I'm, I'm 
totally, I'd love to talk to Andy Reid. There's a gazillion things to ask the guy. It's so interesting. But I think sometimes when greatness is right in front of you, it doesn't register because you literally know the person and they seem like any other person. Because at the end, we're all people, you know, no matter how successful you are at this, you know, very job with a lot of popularity and celebrity surrounding it. But he is uh, he's going to be the 12th coach to coach in three Super Bowls. He's going to be the if he wins, he'll be the seventh to go back to back. And next season, he should pass Curly Lambeau for uh, career wins and be fifth. I mean, we're talking about an all-time all-timer. Only Belichick among active coaches will have anything like that for resume. This is incredible, but it feels like it doesn't get talked about enough. He is at the top of all these lists. One of the reasons it doesn't get talked about enough is he's not driving it. He's not a self-promoter. He's, he, he's grateful about life. He's grateful to have his job. He loves it. He's grateful that people think highly of him. But he's not going to be promoting either silently or behind the scenes his own you know, promotion. He's just, he's just a cool guy. He's down to earth. He's real. If you talk to any of his friends, they're like, that, that's his Andy. He's the best. Like He's, he's incredible. So um, order of business. You have got to get a one-on-one interview with Andy Reid. Whether you fly out there to Kansas City and do it or you do it on the radio, you, you've got – while he's still in the present coaching, you got to interview him. He, he's the best. So, really, when we think of Andy Reid, is the only flaw of his that he's good friends with Kyle Whittingham? <laughs> he loves Kyle. I mean, he's loyal to his teammates. Um, he loves people. He loves people more than... More than... He, he just loves people. He's not afraid of crossing boundaries or colors to reach out to people. He's, he's just true. I mean, and he would tell you he's got more flaws than he can shake a stick at. He does, he does not pretend like he's the greatest coach, the greatest person. He just is. He's, he's the best. So you look at this game, and the Chiefs trying to go back-to-back here, but they just lost their left tackle to an Achilles injury in the AFC title game. Is their O-line going to be able to handle the Bucks' front four? That's a great question. One of the reasons that Tom Brady chose the Bucks when he had um, you know, half the teams in the NFL to choose last year is because they had a Super Bowl-caliber defense. So you have a super, now they are a Super Bowl caliber defense, and they've been wreaking havoc. Their front four can get pressure. What's been interesting with their playoff games against the Saints and um, is they put enormous pressure on the back end, but they haven't received any penalties. You saw them against Green Bay and the Saints, where they were they were passing the fearing, pulling receivers as the ball was coming, and there was no call made. If you can get away with that in the Super Bowl, you win. But if the refs call those, that neutralizes that great front four. And so it'll be interesting to see the combination of the calls on the back end and how, how much pressure the front four can give Mahomes. So, and now you got these tackles that are out. That's, those are big losses. But and always, always coached with a mentality that, hey, we're strong as a team. And when someone goes down, 
we don't make a big deal of it. Even if it was Donovan and Coy Detmer stepped in, ripped the 49ers on Monday Night Football, and he dislocated his elbow in that game. And then A.J. Feely stepped in out of nowhere, and we went on a tear. We, we beat great teams, and I think he won about six games at the end of that year as the third-string quarterback. And Andy did not make a big deal of it in meetings, personally, he just said, hey, we got good players. They're going to be fine. <laughs> and he's, he's able to inspire your team with confidence and get you thinking that I'm going to play better. I'm not going to do anything out of, my, out of my business. I'm going to do my job. But I'm going to do it to the best of my ability so I can help my, my teammates. And that he fosters that culture. That's a special culture in the NFL. Yeah, you speak of that culture, to me, being around, I haven't been around a lot of pro teams, but most of my time, and as far as NFL goes, I've been around pro teams and other sports, uh, but certainly I've been around a ton of college teams, and the one thing that I've noticed is the players have to really buy in to what the coaching, the head coach and his staff are selling, and if they don't, it doesn't matter how great that coach is. If they don't buy into what he's saying and believe in it, then it seems like they're just not going to be good. How important is that that these players, whatever the situation is, when the coaches say something, that they believe that that's the truth? I would answer that with two things. Number one, you're exactly right. You have to buy in. A team creates enormous team chemistry by buying in. That's the first part. The second part is, if you're buying into snake oil, it doesn't matter if you're all – like you could be completely heart and soul bought in. But if the product is a bunch of hocus-pocus BS, then it doesn't matter. So what is actually beneficial to the Chiefs is that what Coach Reed is sharing and promoting and teaching is legit. It's proven. It's, it's great team culture. So when people are all in and they're bought into what he's saying, it's legit. And that's why there's so much strength and power. That's why you have a coaching tree similar to Bill Walsh. He's been able to create a coaching culture where you have so many coaches, Ron Rivera's, I mean, like Steve Spagnuolo's. You can go down the line of great people who he's worked with who are now head coaches. Dave Coley, the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Those guys – are products of Andy Reid and the way he's done it for years. And that's gratifying. As a former player, it's really cool to see. So Andy's awesome, but nobody's perfect. So if I had to go one thing, why is he running Mahomes on an option on third and one at midfield? I mean, at the one-yard line for a playoff touchdown, maybe it's worth the risk. But third and one at midfield? Ah! Because <laughs> who thought he was going to do that? I don't know. I think he's nearly perfect because – they're going into the Super Bowl with three BYU guys. You got Andy Reid, you got Danny Sorensen, and then you got the silent assassin Porter Ellett, who is Andy Reid's left-hand man. He lost his right arm in an accident when he was four years old. One of the greatest dudes around. So if you got three BYU dudes going into the Super Bowl, then that's who I'm following. <laughs> All right, speaking of BYU dudes, Cougars put together a pretty good season, but the objective is to have a good program, not to have a good season. Uh, what are you thinking as far as them? I don't know that they could sustain it to that level because they're going to lose an NFL quarterback, but how are they going to be able to keep it going at a high level? 
Yeah, great question. I love what happened this year. I love Kalani, not only as a former teammate of mine, but what he's done at BYU, the influence he's had on these guys, the way he coaches his style. He's, you can see each year he's getting more and more comfortable in his own skin as a coach, knowing what drives him. Um, I love the way that he and Tom Homo work together. This season was magical. When everyone else, not everyone, when a great portion of the football world was ready to quit because of COVID, it was powerful to me to see Tom go over, around, under any obstacle, any nose. He didn't waste his time with dialogue with people who didn't want to play. He just said, let's keep finding people who are willing to play. And that relentless pursuit of a schedule in the relentless pursuit of doing it right, protecting guys with COVID, proving that we can do it appropriately, um, but still have a season. I think if Zach Wilson's going to be a, a top five pick in the NFL, he's got Tom and Kalani for the rest of his life to say, thank you for doing everything you could to give me an opportunity to have a season like that. Um, I just thought it was remarkable. So where you go from here, you build off of this season. You build off of the confidence your your guys have. You build off of what's making you a good coach. I, I think what Kalani does really well is he focuses on his strengths. He doesn't try and be anyone else. And each year I feel like he's getting better at that. And when you do that, then you build a really strong culture and program and a confidence that you're doing it the right way. And it's been, it's been cool to watch, and I'm really pumped to see it go forward because next year we have a tough schedule. We hope like crazy that things with COVID calm down enough that there's fans in the stands and sports are just meant to play in front of a live audience, a full live audience with, with adrenaline pumping, people screaming, um, that's what I'm hoping for. So we were discussing the um, transfer portal and how not five years ago, but even since two or three years ago, it's it's changed. The number of kids going there, the whole thing just seems to be accelerating. How is the portal going to change BYU football? How could it help the Cougars acquire players? How could it cost them players? What do you think the impact is going to be going forward? The impact will be enormous on every program. And uh, change is not only inevitable, we're living in the time of greatest change. This, this year taught us more about change than any other year in our lives. Can we adapt? Yeah. Do we have to adapt? Well, if you want to be successful, you do. And, or you could sit like an old broadcaster and talk about, walking to school in four feet of snow both ways, and no one wants to listen to that. That's bull crap. So the transfer portal's a big change. The people who can get most comfortable with how that works for them, the people that who can wisely select players that fit their program and their culture, there's a delicate balance in who you want to bring in and it takes wisdom, perspective, sometimes restraint. You're going to have your whole fan base clamoring for someone. If you know that someone doesn't fit your team for whatever reason, 
then you have to be strong enough and confident enough in your decision-making skills to stand on your own two feet. And so I really like and trust the way that Kalani operates and thinks. And I like his wisdom. I like how he's growing as a coach and a man. And um, it'll be cool to see how he, he works with, with Tom to use players that are coming into availability through the transfer portal to strengthen BYU's program. So you work in the BYU athletic department, and I know there's a big BYU fan who now owns the Jazz in Ryan Smith, and I'm assuming you've had some interaction with Mr. Smith. Can you tell us what you know about him? Ryan has been unbelievable for BYU publicly, privately. He's, he's a great asset to the program, to the players, to the coaches. He's made himself available. He had a really cool Zoom conference with our entire athletic department early on in the COVID and shared what he was learning running Qualtrics in a time of, of greatest chaos. And he loves people. He loves sports. He specifically loves basketball and golf. And I think it's so cool that he's he is the owner of the Jazz to keep the Jazz here in Utah. He's he's dedicated and driven to be a champion. Um, you see his influence with Donovan and the other players. Like he is going to be the greatest supporter for them, and the, he's got a burning fire in his heart just like they do. It'll be really cool to see him win a championship here in Utah and. And I'm super grateful that he's been so cool to BYU. Not just him, but his whole family. They, And not just BYU, they support other schools. But I just am very grateful for his influence here and what he's done and, and what, he can, what he wants to keep doing. It's really cool. Well, Chad, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. That was a lot of ground to cover right there. Transfer portal to a new jazz owner to Super Bowl to Andy Reid. I think you got it all. The only thing I didn't get was how grateful I am for Cougar Nation responding to our all-in campaign. Tom Homo let people know a couple months ago that because of COVID, we have a $20 million shortfall. He was very transparent and open and said, you know, Cougar Nation, if you love BYU sports, this is our time of greatest need. People have responded. They've they've donated almost $15 million. There's been 7,000 different individual donors give back. And I just want to say to all of them, we are so grateful for you, for caring. And just can't I just can't be more grateful. Thank you. Good to pare that down from 20 to 5 million. That's progress right there. That's progress, and yeah. it goes on. And just you know, some teams they haven't got the bottom yet. They're still in a free fall, and their free fall is enormous. Tom's goal was to staunch the bleeding, to stop the hemorrhaging, to get to a place where we knew we had a bottom, so we could start clawing back out and and get strong and move forward. And he's been remarkable with his communication through COVID. He's he's been relentless, reaching out to all of us as administrators, as coaches. He's been reaching out to players. When times are really tough, if you're a great communicator, then you can strengthen your team. He has certainly done that, and and I'm 
it's been impressive to watch. I'm grateful for his leadership. Chad, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Yeah, hit it. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll talk afterwards. And Dave, let's get you that interview with Tom, with uh, Andy Reid. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Thanks, Chad. Peace. There's Chad Lewis, former Orem High and BYU great, now working in BYU Athletic Administration. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So... BYU, Utah, Utah State, Weber State, everybody winning in the college ranks, and the Jazz win in Atlanta. Let's get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz have won two in a row now. They beat the Hawks last night, 112-91, to behind 23 points from Jordan Clarkson coming in off the bench in 25 minutes. Jordan was 9-13 from the field, 5-8 of eight from three, 23 points, 7 rebounds. Bogdanovich had 21. Donovan Mitchell at 18 points, 5 assists and uh, 3 rebounds. Uh, Rudy with a double-double, 11 points and uh, 12 rebounds for him. Of course, the Hawks were short a bunch of guys, including Trey Young. Just could not keep pace uh, offensively uh, with the Jazz. They only shot 32.7% for the game, led by John Collins, who had 17. Kevin Herter had 16. Let's uh, let's get some post-game sound for you. Let's start with Jazz head coach, Quinn Snyder. We're going to start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Q, it seemed like the Hawks were um, throwing a lot of pressure at you beyond the three-point line in the first half, and and there was a little bit of uh, offensive stagnancy. What turned around for you in the second half beyond simply, you know, Mike Conley getting to play more than eight minutes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I I thought – I didn't think we ran as well as we need to in the first half. Um, and those are possessions that, you know, that we can build on um, that just get the ball move and get everybody kind of touches and, and get more catch and shoot threes. We didn't finish at the rim real well in the first half either. I thought, um, you know, the second half was more of, you know, how we want to play. People are going to try to take things away. I didn't necessarily think the pressure bothered us as much as we just weren't um, real precise and, you know, that can happen. You know, I, I like the fact that, that we figured it out a little more in the second half. Um, but there are times when people, you know, they're not going to leave people in the perimeter and, and we're going to have the rim. And that's what we want. We had more, you know, mid-range non-paint twos tonight than we've had in a while. And, you know, if that shot's the one we have to take, um, you know, I've got confidence in guys shooting it. But I also think the second half we started getting to the rim. Um, and I said again, you know, we started finishing at the rim too. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, this season where there's such limited practice and, you know, shoot around even, how much is just having your own identity going into every game? It seems like you guys know what to expect from yourself. How much does that help as opposed to saying, hey, we need a game plan for Atlanta or Charlotte, et cetera? Well, you know, I, I think it helps. Um, there's no question about that when, you know, if you can make it, 
about what you do. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I think we, we have and we are is a team that's, you know, able to process a game plan and absorb it. So, um, I think both are important, you know, the, 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 the former more important than the latter, as far as a team having an identity, but, you know, fortunately, I think for us, our guys have worked hard to, to make preparation part of that identity. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, uh, they only shot 41% at the rim tonight. Uh, you know, how much do you think that was Rudy Gobert's impact versus how, you know, how did you like your team's interior defense? You know, I, th I thought we defended um, pretty consistently throughout the game. Um, you know, particularly when Rudy is contesting those shots at the rim. You know, that's when we need our, our guards to rebound. I think that was another thing that, that we improved on um, through the course of the game. But, you know, Rudy and Favor are, you know, they do that. They're rim protectors. And, um, you know, I, I think our guys have done a good job of, you know, defending in front of them as well um, to not just rely on that because sometimes – you know, the, the shots that are taken, even when they are, you know, contested, um, you know, can vary in difficulty as well. There you go. That's Quinn Snyder. His team won last night, 112 to 91 over the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. Let's uh, get some players for you. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. We'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Uh, Rudy, when teams, um, you know, see you for a second and third time, now that you guys have seen a lot of teams for the first time, and they try to take stuff away from you. What are some of the counters that you that you can do like tonight, you know, when, you know, the Hawks really tried to take away what you guys do at the three-point line? Well, we got all the weapons. We we need to attack any type of coverage, any type of defense, you know, and uh, we're usually able to figure it out pretty quick once we see, you know, the way they want to play us. And uh, it's really on us. You know, when the when the big is back, I know that, uh, you know, the guys are going to get Mike, Donovan, Joe, they're going to get walk with threes uh, because once I get I screen the guy, there's nobody behind to help. And, uh, you know, and at the same time, we can attack the rim and it's a two-on-one. So it's pretty, uh, you know, whatever they try to do, um, we always find a way to just adapt and uh, keep getting what we want, which is, you know, uh, the rim and the threes. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Rudy, it's easy to be complacent with how well you guys are doing, and especially when you can play teams that are maybe struggling or missing key pieces. What is allowing you to not be complacent night in and night out? I mean, it's, we got to play for a bigger purpose. You know, we know that uh, it's a long season. We know that, uh, you know, we want to win every single game, but at the same time, you know, the goal is ready to keep getting better. And, and, uh, and when it's playoff time to be, uh, to be the best Utah Jazz team that we can be. So we, you know, our goal is ready to, you know, we, we compete with ourselves. You know, we know that, uh, we need our focus to be, uh, at the highest level every single minute on the court. And, uh, that's the mindset that we're trying to have, you know, we, want, we really want to have a champion mindset and, you know, it really starts with the, you know, the little habits of never being complacent and, uh, you know, uh, keep getting better every single time on the court. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, that, that matchup with Capella and, and really kind of the whole Hawks, you guys locked down the paint. I'm curious, you know, when, how did you see, what did you see from the guards defensively tonight in helping that and kind of where did you, your role kind of play in on that? 
I mean, Clint uh, is a uh, is having a great year, you know, and he's a great rebounder. So we we know that uh, we needed the guards to to come help on those long rebounds, and especially when the bigs contest the shots or help the guards. You know, we really needed the guards to to come and help each other on on a rebound. And uh, you know, I think we did uh, I think we did, they did a great job tonight. And really, once again, that's the that's the mindset that we need to have. You know, know that. Uh, I got to know that when I go block a shot, uh, my guy is not going to get an offensive rebound and, and put back. And, you know, they did a great job, you know, uh, doing that tonight. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy, I just want to know what you, what your thoughts are with the All-Star game potentially being played in Atlanta in a month. And do you think that's a good idea, a bad idea? And would you like to be involved? I mean, I think it's, uh, it's good that we had, you know, there was a conversation. You know, I think, uh, you know, obviously it can be a good thing uh, for the fans, for the game of basketball, uh, for the finances. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's great for the game. At the same time, we all know, you know, there's, uh, I mean, we, we, we playing games in less times and the only break that, you know, players and coaches are going to have. So it's, uh, I mean, it's good to have that conversation, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I'll be, uh, I would love to be part of it if I'm selected, but it's uh, it's good that we had a conversation for sure. Nicole, tab to Portes. Hi, Rudy. Congrats for the win. Thank you. You're welcome. How much impact had Jordan Clatson in the success of the team and the way he's, he's embraced his role? Cheney would impact. Fantastical. Uh, <laughs> Nuestra equipo. <laughs> Thank you. Last question, a follow-up from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Rudy, uh, when Mike went out with foul trouble in the first half, right when he came back in at the, the start of the third, you could sense shift. It almost feels like that calmness and poise uh, he brings is so contagious. Can you speak to that? Do you guys feel that when Mike's on the floor, that, that calmness, that poise? I mean, that's, that's his experience, you know, when – He's been in the league for 25 years, so it, you know he knows how to, um, you know, control the pace and uh, and he can feel the game more than all of us. You know, so it's uh, I try to do my best to talk to him, to help him, to make sure he doesn't, you know, uh, commit, you know, more fouls. But uh, you know, we really want to keep playing the game, and uh, I think he did a great job in the second half, you know, controlling that. That was Rudy Gobert. He had 11 points and 12 rebounds last night. Had a couple of assists and uh, two block shots as well. Let's now let you hear from Mike Conley. All right, we'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, obviously you had the the difficult first half with the three fouls in the first quarter, um, and then you pretty quickly turned it around in the third quarter. What enabled you to get going just as quickly as you did in the second half? Um, man, you know, that first time was rough. Uh, just never really got a good flow, never really, you know, got the ball, never really, like, just put any impact in the game. And um, I got to sit there and kind of watch and, and, and get ready for the third quarter. And I uh, knew that I was going to come out and be aggressive and, uh, you know, take command a little bit more and um, just look for opportunities to make plays. And, you know, I got out there and was able to do it. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. 
Hey, Mike, from our end, it looks like Jordan Clark Clarkson's motor is always on, always running around all over the floor. Do you feel that way on your end? Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. You know, he's the guy that he pushes us all. You know, when he gets the ball, we just start running and uh, we don't know what he's going to do with it. He don't know who he's going to throw it to. When is he going to shoot it? You know, you just kind of let him play his game and um, he's, he's been great for us so far this year and, and, and we don't want him to be anybody else. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Mike, obviously a win is a win, um, but do you think that this year, maybe more than last season, I guess, for, in your experience with the Jazz, that you're kind of looking at things with a little bit more of a critical eye, like you're looking at maybe things that went wrong in the game and you're you're not as happy with it just because you came out with a W? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we're a team that's, that's, you know, we love to get our wins however we get them, but we're not, a, you know, a team that doesn't hold each other accountable. We're a team that definitely looks at every single detail, every, every small situation and, and, and you look at something for us to, to fix or a, a lesson to be learned. And um, tonight we had plenty of those, plenty of those lessons, plenty of those times where we um, made mental errors, made mistakes and um, did, you know, kind of lacked effort in certain situations. So uh, we'll definitely learn from it. We, we just, you know, we're playing at a high enough level to be able to win the game, but um, we can't rely on that. And we know that. So we have to continue to, to work. Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Mike, going back to Eric's first question, finding that rhythm so quickly when you've had a bad start or, you know, foul, had foul trouble. Do you remember at what point that developed in your career? Is that something you've always been able to do? Just kind of, you know, find rhythm when there wasn't any before. Yeah, um, it took me a while to be able to, to do that. You know, when I was younger, it was, you know, if I start out like that, I might not shoot the ball the rest of the game just because I'm, you know, just so caught up in thinking about foul trouble and thinking about not having the ball and not playing minutes, you know, just all that kind of going in your head. But um, I've learned through the years, you know, having opportunities to be in that situation, uh, you know, just breathe it out, you know, take a minute you know, take all those bad thoughts, throw them out and, and start, uh, start thinking about the good and the opportunities you have in front of you. So you know, that's kind of what I just focused on was the third quarter and um, going out there and being aggressive. Last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, along those lines, uh, we asked Rudy about your third quarter and he attributed your performance to the fact that uh, after 25 years in the NBA, you know what you're doing now. So I was just wondering if you would like to offer a rebuttal. He's off by about 11, but, um, you know, I would say that my, my time in the league definitely helped, you know, me not panicking or anything like that. I've been there, done that, but, you know, Rudy's been a big help to me, so I'm not going to bash him too much, man. He's been huge, uh, huge help in uh, progressing my, my play and the team's play. So he's still the man and, uh, you know, uh, he can say what he wants. That was Mike Conley at 11 points and four assists. Uh, he had a little foul trouble there in the first half. He talked about it, but certainly had a fine third quarter helping the Jazz uh, get that 20-point lead and really put uh, put the Hawks away. Let's wrap things up now and hear from Jordan Clarkson. All right, we'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, JC. I was just uh, wondering if you could tell us from your perspective kind of what the difference was in the second half from the first half tonight. Um. 
they were they were throwing some uh, different things at us. Uh, we're gonna start seeing teams do a, a lot of that um, in the first half. Uh, we was just kind of reading it out, filling it out. I feel like, uh, and then second half, uh, first half we kept defending, and second half I feel like we we started attacking defensively, uh, where we started getting out uh, in transition and you know getting our shots. Um, but a lot of teams are gonna try to take things away from us. Uh, a lot of catch and shoot opportunities, uh, stuff and like stuff like that. But uh, we're prepared, and um, we just keep trying to get better at that. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, JC, I wonder if you could just go into a little more detail on that. How do you adjust when teams kind of throw something different at you guys? Um, biggest thing is um, that we've kind of preached and what's coaching and preaching on is, is getting the stops because um, that's just going to, you know, feel the offense. It's going to keep us getting uh, force and, and thrust on our offensive, uh, on our offensive end. Um, but, yeah, teams are trying to get into us, um, switching out, pressuring us, uh, trying to be aggressive, trying to take away the threes just because, you know, we're getting a lot of attempts and getting a lot of uh, easy shots at that. Um, so we just got to keep doing it on that other end, uh, keep getting stops, making that offensive end uh, easier. And then when we run in offensive stuff, we just got to execute, make our cuts hard, uh, screen, um, and get each other open when that when that happens. Nicole, Tab Deportes. Hi, Jordan. Uh, congrats for the win. Do you have a great night tonight? So, oh, what yeah, motivated? Uh, sorry, <laughs> you had a great night tonight. So, what motivates you to embrace the position of six man? And if you have any player who inspire you to do it? Um. I mean, I've, I've kind of been in this role for, you know, the last couple of years of my career. Um, just coming here, uh, having this opportunity to play with a, a, a really good team, a uh, really good coach and a great system. Um, it's kind of, you know, helped me, you know, boost, uh, you know, my confidence and, and everything uh, that's going on. Um, but players I watched in this role was, uh, you know, that kind of made it cool for me with like Mono Ginobili. Um, another one I've watched a lot of and played with as well was uh, Lou Will, um, Jamal Crawford, all those guys that, you know, kind of came off the bench and had impacts. Um, you know, those are guys that I really watched, uh, you know, coming up in the league and as well as uh, when I was younger. That was Jordan Clarkson, 23 points, seven rebounds. He did it on 9 of 13 shooting in just 25 minutes of play. Jazz beat the Hawks last night, 112 to 91. They're now on the road tonight. They're in Charlotte to take on Gordon Hayward and the Hornets. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There's the best of the Jazz postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.